Welcome, Blood Brothers and Sanguine Sisters, to Deeply Discussing Dexter. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Brooke Merritt. Hi. And Zach Rowland. Hey, what's up, everybody? And on today's episode, we are discussing Season 8, Episode 5, This Little Piggy. On this episode, Vogel gets Vogel-napped, Quinn is all about the Hamiltons, baby, and Deb and Dexter are totally fine now. Thanks. What did you guys think of this episode overall? This was a really bad episode. Like, there there were so many places you could have gone from the last episode, and this is this is what we get. Um I just man, I, I just did not like where they went with the how how fine a bow they put on the Deb and Dexter dynamic. Yeah, I agree. I think that's th- this was where um, I completely lost faith in the show. Um, I was pretty on board with season seven, and I was pretty on board with what they'd done so far in season eight. And the way this episode, I mean, it's it starts out with them pretty close to reconciled, and by the end of the episode, everything's fine. Everything's totally fine. And that's just just ridiculous to me. Well, I mean, like, they they drove off into a lake. Deb's car. Was it was it Deb's or Dexter's car? It was Deb's, right? It was Deb. Okay. Or no, it was Dexter. It was a uh, motor pool car. Okay. You, Deb, you would, Deb hit, like, reached over and hit the gas. and You would figure that at some point cops would have been called. <laughs> to the scene of a wreck and nobody outside of Deb Vogel and Dexter make mention of this wreck in this episode or ever. Well, it's motor pool cars. <laughs> nobody cares about them. I mean, all you do is just go borrow one. You don't even have to sign anything. You just take it and go. So it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I hated it too. I hated it too. That, the only good thing about this uh, season was the tension with Deb and Dexter, and now let's just let's just cut that off and make the whole season suck. Get rid of the only thing that had any kind of potential for entertainment. Yeah, it um, it's like they with the writing or maybe with the storyboarding or whatever it was was like, hey, what if we do this thing to do this thing so that we can do this yes. thing. So like, you know, it's it's just basically like servicing the plot, but not in a good way. It, yeah, it's it was, yeah. They have yeah. to. Yeah, you're. I I think you're right on because they have to have. Um, after the finale last season, they have to have Deb and Dexter at odds. But for what they're going to do now, they have to get them back together. And they have to like cement yeah. that. So this is like the most expedient way possible to do that. Mm-hmm. Nothing really puts a family back together like a good old car crash. An yeah. intentional one um, at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good old family car crash. And don't worry, Allstate is there. Right. It, well, <laughs> and no, Allstate wasn't out- there because nobody was there. <laughs> <laughs> the, the car crash and the, uh, the, the group murder plot. I yeah. I can only assume because there was a witness there when that that pulled Deb out of the water. So 
I have to assume that they killed this witch. <laughs> That's <laughs> why they're bonded nobody, now. Nobody, nobody. Well, she did say that the family that kills together. Um, mm-hmm, nobody mentions did. this. Nobody knows like this wreck ever happened. The family that kills together heals together. That's our motto here at the Morgan household. Yeah. And the cult. That that whole, you know, there's a cliffhanger and then you wait for the next uh week. It's like they pretended like they showed you everything you needed to know about Deb driving into the lake. It's like, well, Deb got out and then she saved Dexter and now they're at a therapy session. And they're both fine. They're not happy with each other, but they're fine. Yep. That's how it starts. Vogel is mediating a therapy session for Dexter and Deb. Deb's first solution to finding out that Harry committed suicide was to try and kill them both. Vogel points out that Deb has now hit rock bottom of what? The lake? I don't understand, but okay. Dexter says to hell with both of them and heads out to look for the brain surgeon. Care? Well, it's it's uh, it's the therapist's job to point out your flaws and when you've hit rock bottom. So she knows better than anybody else, Deb especially. Okay. Now that she's been treating her for all of what a month, not even like Bogle <laughs> is the worst therapist. Yeah, like let me name a therapist that was better than Vogel. The one that called Dexter a table. <laughs> or no, no, no. He called him yeah. a chair and, and Deb needed yeah. a table. Yeah, he's a chair. That that's, one, that's better also the than same. Vogel. That's also the same therapist that suggested that Deb might be in love with Dexter. Still better than Vogel. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is all true. This is all true. <laughs> Harrison wants to watch cartoons. Dexter is browbeaten into dinner with Cassie by matchmaker Jamie. Masuka announces that he has a daughter. Quinn warns that she may want money or something. Quinn runs the briefing. Batista shows up with another lead to track down. Yates. Dexter knows they won't find him at home. Detective Black Lady asks Batista if Quinn is getting promoted instead of her. Batista says he hasn't decided yet. Matthews asks Quinn to be respectful of Mr. Hamilton, a murder suspect and rich friend of Miami Metro. Quinn, Dexter, and Detective Black Lady go to get a DNA sample because you need two detectives and Dexter to do that. Hamilton admits to having an affair with the victim, Norma Rivera. He had sex with her that day, but says she was still or says she was left alive. Hamilton's creepy son walks by and sets off Dexter's radar and ours, the audience. Yeah, so a lot of just like plot, plot, some more plot, plot that doesn't matter, some plot. And then am I crazy or did this like Rivera thing come out of Hamilton Rivera thing come out of like nowhere? Did Was there ever, was it anything in the previous episode that I'm missing? No. It, this, I was confused was about that too. the murder of the week. Yeah. And the way they set it up, it seemed like it was a continuation of last time. I was really confused by that too, Zach. I was like, okay, Am I supposed to remember Norma? Because it just sounded like they were segueing from a previous episode's case. Right. And it wasn't. Nope, apparently not. I <laughs> I thought, well, I forgot something else again. Okay, but didn't exist. Yeah. That's why I forgot. I don't think there was. No, that, that starts in this episode. Yeah, it's just so daunting. It's like a hard start where mm. you're like, 
oh man, maybe I missed something or they, I don't know. But it, yeah, like out of nowhere, they're like, oh, by the way, take it easy on Mr. Hamilton. And they're like, who the hell is Mr. Hamilton? Alexander? I don't <laughs> yeah. know. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. like, it, like the son could not have looked more guilty if he was dressed as Miguel <laughs> as the Unabomber. <laughs> like, yeah. He's very subtle. Very subtle. They really, he, he should have just had a shirt that said, I did it. Or one that just said, I'm in Slytherin. Like, <laughs> just obvious villain is obvious. It's got a real Draco Malfoy <laughs> uh, essence. Uh, yeah. Um, so Creepy Son asks Dexter for details about the murder. He tells Dexter his father isn't a murderer. Vogel puts on some diegetic music from her iTunes so that Yates can smash a window and grab her. Deb drops by and finds Vogel's house trashed. Seriously, the worst. <laughs> like, why does she even exist? Yeah, she puts on her music. She's going to drink her tea. And then they, like, break a window with a chair. Yeah, also, uh, her, the whole setup of that place is very weird. Because, like, that area, I guess, is in sort of, like, the side back. Because her front door is in a different area. Yeah. It's it's so it's weird because I was like, oh, this guy really went the links to like go to the back and smash through and like it, I don't know. It's almost like that secret alleyway that Miami Metro has, where you're like, what? What are you doing? Yeah, I think the way it works is that the her office is sort of in like uh, it's like a five sided room with windows all the way around it, and one of the sides is like the walkway that goes to the door. So you have to walk past the office to get to the door and come in. But he just walked up to the window and threw like a patio chair through it in a way that like (laughs) modern home glass wouldn't break like that. Like it would bounce off and (laughs) maybe leave a nick and that's about it. And also, isn't it like broad daylight? So oh, yeah. Are, is nobody around? Is nobody paying attention? It, it seems like a uh, like a sort of affluent neighborhood. Like I don't, I just don't get it. Nobody to get. Nobody gets it. Yeah. There's like, nothing. I don't, I don't there's nothing to get here. <laughs> all right. Dexter arrives at Yates's house where they found a bunch of buried bodies. The bodies all just have the left shoe. Deb arrives and tells Dexter that Vogel has been taken. She wants to help him rescue her. Dexter asks why Deb saved him. She says when she saw the car go under the water, she couldn't imagine her life without him in it. I feel like this is the this is the same thing that happened to Colin Hanks as Travis Marshall, mm-hmm. where the directors are like hiding a little secret from him or from her. And uh, and they're like, okay, today your motivation is this. Like, you hate your brother. Okay, now t- in this scene, you really want to be back with your brother. Okay, this <laughs> this scene, you hate your brother again. Like, there's just so many conflicting motivations for Deb right now. I'm not sure where to put my allegiances. I think it's right where you were talking about at the beginning, where they had plot points for where they wanted Deb's story to go. And those points make sense, but then they like put like three of them right in a row without any development mm-hmm. between them. Yeah, and so then you're like, 
just as even more confused because you you don't know if you've you've missed something. Like it feels like you've missed something, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like make up your mind, Deb. <laughs> but quit being a goddamn hot dog stand. <laughs> Uh, Vogel tells Yates that she was only trying to make him better. Yates wants to lure Dexter in. Quinn and Detective Black Lady get eyewitnesses who saw Hamilton's son near where the body was found. Masuka's daughter tells Masuka that her mom died and she reached out because she was feeling alone. She orders a bunch of stuff from the food cart when Masuka offers to pay. Yeah, that girl does not eat that much. She had like a breakfast burrito, a muffin, a couple of protein bars, a cappuccino. Part of it was to go. Like, yeah, yeah she got some to go for later. <laughs> like when 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 daddy's paying, you get what you want. <laughs> and and although Masuka has not ever been a father before, he I think he knows how to be a daddy. Oh, he definitely knows how to be a daddy. <sighs> <laughs> Stop! <laughs> hey, can you just ignore all that tranny stuff on my uh, on my laptop? Great, thanks. <laughs> oh no, that was him, not me. I didn't say that. He uh, said it. Yeah, uh-huh. good good idea to clarify that. Quinn's eyewitness recants, and Matthews tells him to find something more concrete before he messes with Zach Hamilton. Masuka asks Deb to run a background check on his daughter. He's worried there is a catch. Dexter arrives home. Quinn, Jamie, and Cassie are there for dinner. Dexter tries to get out of it, but Jamie gives him an ultimatum. He stays or she leaves him with Harrison. Dexter works a side deal with Cassie and escapes to look for Vogel with Deb. Yeah, the way he did it, too, was just so chill and totally nonchalant where she's like, ah, oh, I got to get up early tomorrow. I got to go. Yeah, me too. Bye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of work to do. Like, okay, bye. F- it's like that, <laughs> so that gif of Homer Simpson backing into the, in the bush. Are <laughs> you just yeah. disappears? <laughs> <laughs> it was so not subtle and just, and also Jamie already knows. So you've already played your hand and now you're even more like, yeah, he's so mean to Jamie. I feel so bad for her. But I she love got that a she's kid like out of the deal. She's like, <laughs> that's true. She's <laughs> like, if you don't do this, I'm going to leave you with Harrison. Yeah, with his own kid. Like, yeah, yeah, and he used the lame excuse to leave his own house. <laughs> like, right. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Just, just leave. I wanted a screenshot. I think it was from this episode where Dexter is just like le- abandoning her with him again and she's like windexing his countertop and it's just like who is this person who is this like fairy godmother babysitter that just is always happy to stay there with the kid and she's supposedly a student isn't she i've never seen her go to class I've also never seen a student clean like that. Like, that's not how students live a, a nanny or a babysitter doesn't clean your house that's not part the of the deal. Who gets a free, like, attached apartment to your apartment and <laughs> lives, you know, rent I mean, free? Maybe. I mean, Dexter- well, no, we figured out that she doesn't live there. She lives with wow. Angel. Dexter has that apartment as like the daycare for his, like that. The, he has that whole apartment Jesus. just for them to have daycare in. Well, it's when, ridiculous. But she basically lives there 
I mean, you know, when, well, when does yeah, she go true. home? Like 14, <laughs> when does she 15 go hours home? a day she lives there. I actually yeah. think right. that's a mess up because when Minimum. they first introduce her, he he mentions that he pays for the apartment so Jamie has a place to stay. I guess but I that mean, was I think like, like so she has six. it's like so she has a bedroom while she's there of her own. Yeah. But it's I, it's not where she lives. She definitely lives with Angel yeah. cuz that's well, where yeah, she and we Angel know that now, yeah. but yeah. It, Cause, still cuz she was getting some la passion and he came <laughs> home. It's like she gets to go home for like three hours a week so she can hook up with Quinn and then so she, she has to come right back Quinn to Dexter's. If she can sneak past Angel. Yeah. Yeah. This She's, I don't know. She uh, feels like she's a, a human trafficking victim of some kind. <laughs> I mean, he is loaded. <laughs> Dexter, yeah. Uh, Yates takes off one of Vogel's shoes. She starts talking about how Yates' mother abused him. He tries to smash one of her toes, and she starts role-playing as his mother. She slaps him hard, drawing blood. Yates leaves to deal with his wound, and Vogel calls Dexter and leaves the phone out so he and Deb can hear. Elway traces the number, and Dexter and Deb race to the rescue. Yates eventually sees the phone, and when Deb and Dexter arrive at the house, they find Vogel tied up in a closet. This is one of my favorite scenes of this episode. (laughs) Because when Vogel... She just starts slapping that guy? She just starts hitting him, saying, you little shit. I I, I just started laughing. I almost died. I, It was just the funniest thing to me. I think we know Aaron's line of the episode, just saying. <laughs> you little shit. <laughs> You're worthless. It was hilarious. Just like she just starts yelling and hitting him. And I'm like, oh, she didn't think at one point to hit the serial killer. This is fine. <laughs> yeah, her and all of the other victims that they undu- or they dug up from the backyard. Like nobody, nobody fought back. Cool, cool. And yeah, that one lesion in his brain makes him susceptible to slapping. <laughs> That's and, his, his one yeah. weakness. His one weakness is slapping. His kryptonite is being slapped. <laughs> ah, the, yeah. And being told he's a little shit. <laughs> you have to use the, the, the code word. Stop that, you little shit. I was, it was just great. Uh, this week on NBC's The Slap, <laughs> Vogel gets hit again and again and again. The sister series to Snapped. <laughs> Slapped. <laughs> <laughs> Might be onto something there. Uh, the show tries to fake us into thinking Yates is going to stab Deb from under the bed, but Dexter stabs him through the bed with a curtain rod, and he dies. Bull yep. shit. What the hell kind that of is curtain such rod? Bull <laughs> shit. Okay. So one, this is straight out of Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> <laughs> it is. How did Dexter which, which get, makes it more ridiculous already? How did Dexter get on the bed without him knowing? <laughs> Nobody knows. He didn't get on the bed. He like reached up, grabbed the wrought iron curtain rod, and then jumped and put his full weight through the middle of the bed. Okay, because it happened like- to hit him right in the heart. Oh god! Like through the so mattress, good. through the so box good. spring, through Yates, and into the ground. Dude, I'm telling you, this is how Kevin Bacon got it in Friday the 13th 1. Just with an arrow. Uh, uh, that came up through the bottom of the bed, for sharp. the record. But <laughs> yeah. just saying. I mean, 
There was How a, sharp is a wrought iron curtain rod? There, there, was, there was a point. There was yeah, a point. there was an arrow from underneath the mattress that took it him was, out. It was the jump, man. It was the jump. That just, <laughs> not a not a curtain rod. <laughs> yeah, arrow. He looked curtain like rod, Leonidas. He looked like Leonidas in three hundred, but even that was better. <laughs> I'm like, even if he gets through the whole bed, if he gets through the mattress and he gets through the box spring. With that curtain rod, which with his full weight, maybe he does that. Like, at best, he's going to bruise that guy. (laughs) Or that guy's going to have, like, you know, a quarter inch divot in his arm or his back somewhere. But for it to go straight through his freaking heart, (laughs) it's just ridiculous. So you're saying you didn't buy it? It was like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer moment. (gasps) Like, How dare you? They're staking yeah, people. Yeah, don't compare time. that. Come on. Buffy was never that bad. Uh. <laughs> You'll get over it. Wow, we got some, we got some real hardcore Buffy fans in appalled. here. I'm a little appalled. I'm appalled right there with you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really, really sucked the wind right out of you. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it was stupid is what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, Dexter gathers up brain matter to dispose of along with Yates. Deb's fine. Deb says the family that kills together. Vogel and Deb go out on the boat with Dexter to dump the body. Dexter says he took them out because he wanted to be with family. I really wish this would have been playing some like Christmas music, like some sort of montage here (laughs) of them just laughing like the end of a Thundercats episode. Bogle's just shaking sleigh bells. <laughs> shing, yeah. shing, shing, shing. Just like, oh, we killed well, that guy. <laughs> a little kumbaya at the end of the road. Exactly. Yeah. It's the first time he's taken Deb out on the boat. He takes Vogel to you. Yeah. Fuck that. That's shitty. That's so shitty. Yeah, she should get her own personal ride. <laughs> well... <laughs> They're the family that kills together now, so, you know. And so, the whole time I'm thinking, my my uh, was the theory that I had of Vogel being, like, the mastermind behind all of these, like, killers and stuff, I was like, oh, okay, Vogel kidnapped her to, like, play into it, because they're going to get, they're going to try to trap Dexter, and then Dexter's going to find out that Vogel is actually in on it, and she's actually been creating these horrible serial killers and all this stuff, and, like... All, all this stuff, and then all the shit that actually happens happens, and I was like, "Fuck you, Dexter!" <laughs> uh, meaning the whole show, just like yeah. I can't believe I I came up with a better idea. I mean, I, I guess you know Scott Buck, whatever, but like I feel like my idea theory was at least more interesting than what they concocted and poorly executed in this episode. Like by far the worst episode of the season, maybe one of the worst overall. It's hard to beat most of season six, though. Oh, you sweet summer child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is way hard to beat season six. Yeah. I mean, again, it's just, it goes back to, um, they had a plan for season eight um, for what they wanted to accomplish in it. And I think they, they tried to, they tried to do too many things or they just didn't give things enough time to breathe and actually feel like they were uh, naturally progressing at all. So this was directed by Romeo Tyrone. Um, and this was his final episode of the series. He was also the cinematographer for seasons one through six. 
This was written by Scott Reynolds, who wrote 12 episodes between seasons two and eight. What is the best line of the episode? Take this, Aaron. I said, stop that, you little shit. I know. That's why I told you to take <laughs> it. so good. Yeah, I'm I'm without... I, I really I truly try to find one or I'll I'll, I'll leech, like, latch onto one throughout but like no <laughs> there was no I that was uh, yeah I mean uh, Aaron's line is about as close as you can get but this was truly awful yeah I also struggled so I'm gonna steal Aaron's just because I have no other options yeah I, I had nothing going into that final scene and then that happened and I laughed a lot and I was like well there it is. <laughs> <laughs> How about the worst line of the episode? The family that kills together. Same. Yeah, that's a good one. I uh, I had, I don't know why, because I think it's just our trend with Masuka, but uh, she's a Masuka through and through. And that's weird. That just sounds weird <laughs> coming from Masuka. True. Uh, performance of the episode. The curtain rod. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, that's a heavy-duty curtain rod. That, I can't uh, that performance had layers. That curtain rod acted like it could actually go through a bed and through someone, and that took mm. took some chops. Yeah. It went through more changes and more layers than anything else we've seen this episode. So, Exactly. I mean, an, I, I guess if we have to give it to somebody... <laughs> Bogle? No. No. Charlotte Rambling's a shot. She's a... You little shit. (laughs) She's a really good actress in real life. How did she get so bad? Are you insinuating that this isn't real life? (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. What is happening? Yeah, it's not. uh, This does not count. No. I, uh, I only went... I only went back and put Vogel later because I was like Aaron where I was like, I guess I have to give it to somebody legit. But what I really put was uh, Jamie the matchmaker because this is when she tries to set Dexter up and the the ultimatum is or leave you with your own son. So props to to Jamie. That's that's true. Jamie standing up to Dexter for abandoning his son (laughs) is, is, is long overdue. So I could see that. But it wasn't even that she was standing up to him for abandoning him. She was more like using it as leverage. Like, hey, if you don't do what I want, you have to watch your own kid. (laughs) Right. Terrifying. I'm going to leave you here with Harrison. And then he did what she asked. Like, it was the worst punishment she could have put down. It was. (laughs) It was was her stop that, you little shit moment. It was awesome. Yeah, because all babies need to be treated like babies, and Dexter is just a big baby. This has been Deeply Disgusting Dexter. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, you guys, for helping me out. We'll see you on the next episode.